All right. If we take your Bible and turn to Romans 8, please. Romans chapter 8 in your Bibles. Do you appreciate hearing the, the uh, rustling of pages out there or else the beeping of buttons if you're bringing it up on your device? That's perfectly fine. But I do love for folks to be able to follow along. We're going to continue our series in Romans today, and I'm going to offer you a free gift in just a little while. Uh, maybe some of you will be interested in that. We're going to be talking today about a passage that is an extremely popular passage. There is a survey done every year of the top 10 most popular verses among Christians in the Bible. Um, this is a survey done in America. And the verse that we're going to focus in on mainly today is always in the top 10 of those verses. Uh, the last time I heard the survey results, um, this verse finished number four as far as Christians' most favorite verses. And so we are blessed to be able to study this today. I think that this is a verse that every believer needs to hold on to. Um, you need to be prepared. You need to memorize it. And it's going to be something that you will come back to oftentimes in your life. Okay, I have a free gift for the first person who requests it. What I have here is a puzzle, and it's a lovely puzzle of a beautiful scene, nature scene, and some boats. Um, I need to give you a little disclaimer before uh, you make a run for the stage after the service. Um, the puzzle was put together a few years ago around the Christmas season at my house. Some of our uh, folks here at the church were actually part of that party and helped put this together. And I need to let you know that after it was taken or put together and then taken back apart, it was put in the basement where the three-year-old plays and the six-year-old plays. And it kind of got mixed in with the toys for the three-year-old and the six-year-old. I found this on the floor of my basement with the lid off and some pieces outside of it. Having said that, this is yours if you want this puzzle. I'm happy to give this to you. We're, we've, we've already had the wonderful experience of putting it together. And so I want to pass, that was a gift from somebody in the church actually. And I want to pass on that opportunity for you to have joy unless you think that will leave you disappointed. I wonder how many of you have gone through a puzzle and not, not quite finished it. Well, let me go ahead and do a poll of the room here. How many of you, like me, have started a puzzle but not finished it? Raise your hand. Oh, shame on you, shame. No, I'm just kidding. Not shame on us. We understand that when we go through a puzzle that we start off and sometimes we're very gung-ho and we'll start off with maybe the part that we like the best, usually the outside frame that's got the flat pieces. And we work on that puzzle, but sometimes we get to a point where we give up. Sometimes you get to a point where you'll have a piece of the puzzle and you examine that piece and for the life of you and after hours and maybe days of trying, you cannot figure out how that piece of the puzzle fits into the big picture of that puzzle. Well, what we'll see in God's Word today is that you and I have a God that knows what the puzzle picture of your life is going to look like when it's complete. And not only does He know what it's going to look like when it's complete and when it's perfect, but He is there to help you along the way when you come across some pieces of the puzzle that seem kind of dark. I understand that there are days that are dark. We call them valleys or we'll call them suffering. 
discouraging days. These come for every man and woman that will ever be born. Different than what we planned. Things out of the control of you. And we don't like that. We like control. And as we look at this verse today, I hope that you will see that our God is there. He knows what it's going to look like, and it's a good plan. But also, He is there to help us with each of those pieces of the puzzle that we don't quite understand. The Apostle Paul has beautifully set this up. He really has. He has talked about us being fellow heirs with Christ, but it was conditional. We are fellow heirs if we suffer along with Him. We looked at that. The Apostle Paul has told us that the difficulties in this world are going to be easier for us to go through if we're focusing on future glory. We talked about that. And then last time we talked about the wonderful ministry of the Holy Spirit and how when we get to a place where we don't have the words, where we can't form the thoughts, the Holy Spirit prays on our behalf. And so he has built us up to this point to come to Romans chapter 8. We'll cover verses 28 through 30 today. Last time we talked about what you cannot do when you're in distress, and that's form the prayer or maybe even form the right thoughts about it. And today we're going to talk about what you can do when you're in distress. If you're in Romans chapter 8, look at verse number 28. We'll spend most of our time on this verse here. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. Two main points if you're taking notes to take down today. Number one, you can have confidence when in distress. You and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, have an incredible confidence no matter what season we are in in life. Now, I'm going to ask two questions about this confidence that we see here in Romans 8, 28. The first question is this, who? Who is this confidence for? We'll go and look at your text again. This confidence is for those who love God and those who are called according to His purpose. I need you to listen very, very carefully to what I'm about to say because it's a difficult truth but it's a truth that you're going to need as you journey through this life. Everything that happens in the life of a believer has been allowed by God. And more than that, it's not only been allowed by God, but it is part of a perfect plan that is there to make you the best version possible of who you can be. I know that's difficult, I know this causes us to shake our heads and wonder why God would let some things happen. But we need to be people that walk in this world with an understanding that there is no such thing as luck. There's no bad luck and there's no good luck. There's no such thing as chance. You see, God is always working. God is always working. He never takes a nap. He has never turned his back on you or on me. He is working and he helps us when we go through these dark days, these difficult days, suffering and confusion 
as we look to our God and understand that He has all power and all knowledge and is good, a good way for us to test ourselves and how we're doing with this is by asking a question. And that question is, how do I respond when suffering comes? It's a good question to ask. When suffering and difficulties come your way, I'm talking about things out of your control. When those come your way, how do you respond? There are typically a couple of different ways that folks respond. First of all, some people will respond by being dominated by doubt. Things are going wrong. What have I done? Or what can I do to fix this? Let me tap into my extended amount of resources and see what I have that can fix this problem. We can doubt, we can be filled with fear, and we can be frustrated. Or when things happen that are difficult, we can respond by knowing that God is working. doesn't mean we're happy that it came our way. It just means that we know the God that has allowed it to come into our path and that God can take that and use that for a certain reason. Look what it says in your text here. It says, to those called according to his purpose. God has a purpose in these things. We'll talk a little bit more in just a moment about the difficult things and how these horrible things aren't things that God is sitting there and is in working up just to make us unhappy. But I want us to notice that he has a purpose in this. And that purpose should point you to the fact of how special you are. You are special to God. You're so special that he's working these things out for you, for his glory, and for your good. And so you need to understand today that you are not a product of evolution. You are a creation of a God who loves you. You are not a product of happenstance. You are part of the big plan of God. So the first question, who is this confidence for, for those who follow Jesus Christ? The second question, what is this confidence for? What did God give this to us for? Well, look in your text there. So you can know that God makes, there it is, all things work together for good. Let's break this down a little bit. The word all things. We need to have a handle on this verse because I know many of you have quoted this verse. And so we need to make sure we understand it and use it correctly. So we find the words there, all things. Notice that he does not say all things are good. You see that? He does not say all things are good. Cancer is not good. War is not good. Rape, suicide, child trafficking. These things are not good. And God would not have us to believe that they are. And yet God, in His infinite wisdom can take even the things that he hates and he can use them for his purposes and for our good. He takes those things that have come into this world as a result of sin and he can take them and use them in a creative way. My mind runs to the story, the Old Testament story of Joseph. Do you remember the story of Joseph and the coat of many colors? It's such a colorful story. It takes up so much of the book of Genesis. 
And every time I go over it, even though I know how it's going to end, I still get a little bit excited and a little bit tense when the brothers at the end of the story are standing before Joseph and he is the authority over them, second in command in Egypt. Maybe you remember the story. Joseph was the favorite son and those older brothers, they hated him so badly. So they took him and sold him into slavery and they dragged him down to Egypt and Here's what Joseph faced one day after another, one year after another. Bad day, suffering, loss, discouragement. Even where is God? His life was filled with so many of these days. And it started when his brothers sold him into slavery. There's a famine in the land. Now his brothers are forced to go to Egypt because they hear they have food there. And as they get there to get some food, who do they stand before? None other than their brother who they sold into slavery. And they did not recognize him. And at the moment when Joseph reveals himself to his brothers, they're scared for their lives. And you and I might say, yeah, rightfully so, they're scared for their lives. And do you remember Joseph's response when he reveals himself and they're scared they're going to die? Do you remember what he said? He said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. This is the response of someone who has learned through suffering. Someone who is maturing in their walk with God. The wonderful story that some are familiar with of the, probably some of the most famous missionaries in the past hundred years, Jim Elliott and Nate Saint and some others. Maybe some of you have heard the story of how they flew into uh, the Aka Indian tribe and they were trying to reach them with the gospel for the first time. They knew it was dangerous and they had made contact a couple times and there's some videotape of their connections from so many years ago. And after they went and made contact a couple times, they came in one more time and the leaders of that tribe went in and killed those four missionaries that went in to give the gospel to them. And the story doesn't stop there. They were killed, but there was still an effort to get the gospel into that tribe. And we know that many of those natives became followers of Jesus Christ. And here's what I want to point you to. I want to point you to the throne of heaven. I want to point you to those missionaries, including Jim Elliott and the others, that are sitting around the throne of heaven along with some of the natives who became Christians and now have died and gone to heaven. And I have to believe they're, they're quoting Joseph around the throne of heaven up there. I have to believe that Jim Elliot would say, you know what, you guys, to these natives, that the, the one who put the spear in him became a Christian later on. I have to believe that he would say, you meant this for evil, but look what God did with it. You guys and so many in your tribe coming to Jesus Christ. Some of you who are students of the missionary movements, this was one of the biggest missionary movements in the past 50 years. People going off to the mission field. They were inspired by this. And so I'm going to give you some lines that I'd encourage you to write these down because these are going to help you when you're going through some of those difficult times. 
The first one is this, God never allows pain without purpose. This is so important, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about um, how this flies in the face of what is called the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel, which some people, some famous people on TV will preach, they give you the idea that you need to come to Christ, and if you do, God wants you to be healthy, and God wants you to be wealthy. Those guys don't have a clue what Romans 8.28 is talking about. The gospel does not guarantee that we will be wealthy or healthy, but the gospel does guarantee that we will not be alone when we go through suffering. If you look at your text there, you're going to see the word all things. It does not say God keeps us from bad things. That's not what it says. It's not there. All things work together for good. We need to understand that there is nothing there is nothing that is beyond the scope of God's providential care. These are hard truths. And when you're trying to wrap your brain around some of those bad things, wicked things that we mentioned earlier, it's hard for us to come to a good conclusion. And that's why you need to be getting to know your God and trusting Him. And we hold on to this truth. No matter what comes our way, there is nothing that is beyond the scope of God's providential care. And so your job is to be getting to know the one that sent his son for you and getting to know Jesus Christ and getting to know the Holy Spirit. And of course, God has given us his word to get to know him. And then once we get to know him, we understand that we should never, we should never abandon what we do know for what we don't know. The things that you do know that you can know, those are so sweet and so powerful do not abandon those. Look in your text there again. It says the words work together, work together. I don't get into the Greek too much with you, but I will tell you that the Greek words for work together, they give us our English word uh, synergism. Many of you know that word synergism, or maybe you know it better as the shorter word synergy. Synergy is a very popular word to use for businesses that are trying to motivate people, trying to motivate their employees. Synergy is powerful, they will say. That's the idea here behind the words work together, synergism. Let me give you the definition of synergy. Working together, the working together of various elements to create something greater than the sum of those elements. And so if you can understand that as you are present in God's plan, and then some suffering or some good days come together. All those things working together and something greater has, will come. That's what God has done. And so we understand that there is always a supreme good that God is working towards. There is always a supreme good that God is working towards. Jeremiah 29, 11 is a beautiful, beautiful verse for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. We're going to be observing the Lord's Supper here in just a few minutes. And before we do that, I wanted to spend some time and I wanted to point us to what I think is the best example of a dark day. 
Probably many of you can point out dark days in your past. Days that were difficult. Days where you don't have an answer for why that happened. And you may get an answer while you're on, here on earth. We may have to wait till we get to heaven. The best example that I can find in the scriptures of something bad happening, bringing something good from it, comes right from the cross of Jesus Christ. Can I ask you just for a moment to look at the cross of Christ? It's my opinion that this is the worst day in the history of humanity. What could be worse than killing God the Son? A mock trial? Mocking Him? Slapping Him in the face? The crown of thorns? The long, drawn-out crucifixion? All of these things taking place to God the Son, the Creator. What could be worse than that? And yet, it is the best thing. It is the best thing that has ever happened. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. The worst day in human history, He gave His only begotten Son so that whosoever believes in Him, should not perish but have everlasting life. We saw, first of all, the confidence we can have when we're in distress, and then more quickly, we're going to go through the next two verses, and we're going to see if you're taking notes, write this down with me. You can have confidence in a flawless plan. You can have confidence in a flawless plan. I'll read verses 29 through 30. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Let me stop and give a little disclaimer here because these are some verses and some themes that for many Christians causes some strife, causes some arguing with some of these themes that are here. Before we get into them and before I just briefly mention possibly some of the conflicts, I want to remind us of something that will help us as we approach strife like that. You see, the author of these words is God. And God does not face the same kind of challenge that we face when trying to understand this. If you're taking notes to better understand this, write down two words. Write down the word time constraint. Time constraint. And as I study through this, and as I have heard for years, the debating back and forth, and oftentimes people getting a little bit mean when arguing about what these verses mean. Time constraint is something that you and I are under. But remember, God exists outside of time. Time is not a problem for Him. And so when we come with this and say, well, God can't do that, or God has to do this, understand that you, and no offense, but you're thinking in a limited way. We have time constraints. We can't possibly understand what it is to be outside of time. Now, we have looked already at what it means that all things are working together for His purpose. Now, Paul writes down some of the detail as to what those purposes are. 
I'm going to give you these five very quickly. We won't spend a lot of time on them. First of all, letter A, we were foreknown by the Father. We were foreknown by the Father. Very simply, that means to know beforehand. And so as we read this in God's Word, and He wrote His Word, we understand, and if you look in other places in the Word, you'll find out that God knew you before you were even created. Before, He knew everything about you, every part of your life before you were even born. Two points of view that we can look at. There's God's side. God knew that He would bring you to Himself. That's what it's saying here. And then there's man's side. How are we to understand this verse? Well, that is, God knew that I would choose to believe. Letter B, if you're taking notes, letter B, we were predestined by the Father. Paul writes here, we were predestined. This simply means to mark out beforehand. Mark out for what? Some people want to get in the details and argue about that. What was I marked out for? Well, it says it right in your text. Look down at verse 29 there. Marked out to be conformed to the image of His Son. It says Jesus Christ was the firstborn, and this is not talking about time necessarily, but it's talking about prominence. Firstborn, most important. And He went through that so that He could have brothers and sisters, you and I. And then next He says, we were called by the Father. To be called by the Father simply means to invite. So God knew you. God had a plan for you to look like His Son. And then God invited you. Now we see that we were justified by the Father. We were justified by by the Father. We studied this more in chapters 5 and 6 of Romans. To be justified or to be declared righteous. And as we study God's Word, how is it that we are justified? We are justified by faith. You were justified by responding to the offer of salvation and placing your faith in Jesus Christ. And then last, and this was a little bit different, um, it, it feels different, because all five of these that he says here in verse 30, they're all written in the past tense. So as far as God is concerned, these are all past tense. And the first four, we can understand that. But this last one doesn't feel like past tense to us. That's not what it feels like at all. Because the last one is, we are glorified by the Father. Now, I wonder how many of you, when you looked in the mirror this morning, saw the reflection and you said, glorified, I nailed it today. Look at that. No room for improvement. Probably not too many of you. I know I, didn't, I know I didn't say that. So when you think of being glorified by the Father, this is something that we think of down the road. But remember, God exists. Is He inside of time or outside of time? God is outside of time. And so even this, He speaks of in the past tense, as far as God is concerned, the completion of His plan is already done. And so four of these past tense. One of them is also past tense. Now, the people who want to divide over this, I just want to point them in one direction, one commentary. You know what? I can give the best commentary for anybody that wants to argue or fight or divide over these verses here. Because, and some of you already know what the best commentary is on this verse, 
The best commentary that we have on the Bible is the Bible. So when we go to God's word, make sure that we are taking... So when we get confused and come across passages like these that are a little bit harder to grab a hold of, make sure that you're taking the rest of the Bible in when you understand this. So some might say, who have a strong belief that God already knew who was going to be a Christian. So some might say, in fact, I heard somebody say this years ago. I was a teenager it was the first time I was ever introduced to this idea. And this guy, this guy who wasn't a teenager said, well, God already knows everybody that's going to be saved, so why in the world should we go and witness and tell folks about Christ? What's the point in doing that? And if you are a student of God's Word, you understand that the Bible says, go ye into all the world and make disciples. Preaching. We preach the gospel so that people can come to Christ. And so, if folks want to spend a lot of time bickering about this, I understand that. And if you're a, you know, a person who loves to dig deep, jump in there. Get in there. But you need to understand what the rest of the Word of God says and not start to claim something that might conflict with somewhere else in the best commentary on the Bible. And then also, and very, very simply, when people want to bicker about this and divide, I want to point them to the fruits of the Spirit, and one of those is kindness. I know people who are not kind when they want to dig in about a certain side that they jump on. (laughs) Years ago, I uh, saw, I have a friend that I know, a Christian man, and he feels very, very strongly on one side or the other about this issue of Calvinism, Arminianism. He felt so strongly about it that he bought a t-shirt that stated his case. On the front of the t-shirt, it gave a message. And on the back of the t-shirt was kind of the punchline if you didn't agree with his message. I get it. And I know he can kind of elbow his buddies and they know what's going on. But I want to point us to kindness. You always need to respond to brothers and sisters in Christ especially but even those outside of God, with kindness. God wants us to do this. The best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. It is a tricky situation, and if you work your best to completely understand this issue to where you have no questions and problems, then write a book because you'll sell a whole bunch of them. Nobody yet has gotten such a good handle on this idea election, predestination, all these things that divide. God's foreknowledge free will. How do these things work together? Let me give you one more illustration, and then we'll look at some things that we can do with this. One more illustration that I heard years ago that's the best way that I've heard that represents this is if you can picture yourself in the future and picture us in heaven walking towards the gate to go in. And over the gate to get into heaven, there's a banner that everybody can read bright and clear. And that banner on those who are going into heaven, it says on this side of that banner, whosoever will may come. And you'll say, that's me. I remember when I turned my my life over to God. I remember when I chose to turn to him and go to him. Whosoever will may come. And then imagine walking through that gate and you turn around and there's something different written on the other side of that same banner. On the inside of that banner, it says, Welcome, chosen ones. 
on this side of heaven, on this side of time, we can't possibly understand how we are chosen and also how we can come. Anybody can come. And yet this is what God has put in his word. We need to be faithful. We need to understand when we come to God's word that he does not want us arguing. He wants us working for his purposes. All right, what can you do with this? What can you and I do? Well, first of all, respond in the best way when the dark days come. I've got two colors up here of the puzzle pieces. One is dark and one is light. Sometimes we forget about this verse in the good days, the days that are paradise. We kind of forget about it. Obviously, God's going to use that for His glory and for my good. But it's so often when we come to those, those dark days, those are when we have to pull, up, pull ourselves up and quote Romans 8, 28, Respond in the best way, knowing that God is working, not responding, are you listening? Not responding with fear and with doubt. So many people respond by trying to do everything they can to fix it, and I understand that. That's, that's human to do that. But understand that God is working something out. So don't live your life with fear because you can't control what's going on or fix it. Number two, never abandon what you do know for what you don't know. And that's what you can do, but along with that goes the challenge that you need to be getting to know God. Have you experienced how much better you get to know God when you go through some of these suffering days? Have you seen that? The lessons that He has for you that you would never choose for yourself. And yet God allows these things and we get to know him. If you do a study in the Bible of the names of God, so many of those names that we come across came out of times when he revealed his character to people we find in the Bible. And you can grab a hold of each one of those names And quite possibly in the upcoming year, God's going to teach you in a very real way what one of those names means because of what you experience. But you have to be learning it. Never abandon what you do know for what you don't know. We don't know why these things happen sometimes as far as on this side of heaven. Make it your lifelong goal to know Him each better. Okay, I want to make my offer valid again for the first person. Who would like this lovely Hallmark puzzle? All the pieces were there a couple years ago. I'm not sure about now. Now, maybe some of you, if you spent the hours putting this together or the weeks, like in my case, putting this together, and you came to the end and there was a piece missing, how would you feel about that? There's a piece missing. Where's it at? I promise you, I promise you on the authority of God's word that every piece of the puzzle of your life will perfectly work together. God knows what it will look like when it's perfect. And on the dark days that are ahead of us, he is there to give you comfort and give you assurance and let you know that you are small and you are feeble. And yes, we do suffer in this present world. And he will let you know 
that he is God. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you with a wonderful appreciation for the fact that we face struggles here in this world. And even though we face those, and even though we don't get answers for those, we do thank you that you know the answer. Thank you that you know what it will look like. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you that we are never alone. We thank you for the shed blood of Jesus Christ. With heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around, I want to give you just a moment to pray. We're going to observe the Lord's Supper in just a, few, in just a minute. But maybe you're here today and you've never started a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ left heaven and came to this earth to die on a cross for your sins. And you can be forgiven if you will just ask him to forgive you and make you his daughter or his son. You can do that even in the quietness of this moment. Maybe you're here today and God has laid something else on your heart. Maybe you respond with doubt. Maybe you respond with fear during the difficult times. Maybe you get to need to get to know God's character a little bit more. In the quietness and stillness, would you just take a moment to pray whatever God's laid on your heart? Amen. Amen. I want to ask you to go ahead and take one of the communion cups that should be in the cup holder in the pew rack in front of you. I'll give you some instructions. Some of you haven't used these before. Uh, there's actually a wafer on the very top, and there's a separate uh, uh, opening for the wafer. So if you look, you'll see two ways to open it. Uh, be careful when you're opening it up. I hate for anybody to get anything on them. But go ahead and take that wafer out at this time, just the wafer. We're going to give you just a moment to think about the crucifixion of Christ while the piano plays through. We read in the Bible in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. I want to go ahead and pray right now and thank God for his broken body. Father, as we hold this wafer right now, we do thank you for the wonderful sacrifice that was given. The worst day in human history where Jesus Christ would lay down his life for the sins of many. And we thank you that we can be here, and we thank you that we can benefit from that sacrifice. Help us to be understanding the, how, how loved we are, and help us, Lord, to live in a way that shows our love back to you because of what Christ has done and what you have done by giving your son. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go ahead and keep our eyes closed. I'm ask the piano to play through. Meditate on what our Savior did for us.
Amen. Amen. The Bible goes on to say, when Jesus was praying with his followers, this is my body broken for you. Do this to remember me. I want to ask you to go ahead and prepare the cup at this time. If you peel back that second little layer and be careful, please. We understand that it was by the shedding of his blood that he accomplished the possibility of our salvation. The cup here represents the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, how often the blood of Christ makes it into a song that we sing, our thoughts, even some jewelry that we might wear that points us to that cross. We thank you for this incredible sacrifice and what it means for us. We thank you that by the stripes of your son, we are healed. Victory over sin and victory over death. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Take just a moment to think about the cross and the blood. Amen.